listening to Thriver Podcast, the company culture podcast where each unique episode brings you engaging topics that a new host and guest will connect on. Learn what drives a strong workplace culture through leadership, diverse experiences, personal stories, and much more. Welcome, everyone. My name is Zara Kara, and I'm the Director of Finance and HR here at Thriver. Joining us this week is Kate Railton, VP People Operations at Majuri. And today we'll be chatting about effective communication of one's company culture and employer brand to local and global markets in order to recruit top talent. Kate, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. And I know over the last several years, you've been living and breathing everything people related uh, throughout your career, whether it's employee success or talent management to company culture, you've, you've done it all. So we are super privileged to have you join us today as we discuss how company culture translates into its employee brand and how that is utilized to attract both local and global talent. Before we dive in, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and the experiences that you've had throughout your career. Sure. Uh, and thank you for having me. This is really exciting and um, certainly a, pa- a topic close to my heart. Um, how you get employees or candidates or people to connect with who you are as an employer and you know where you want them to go on their own journeys with your organization. Um, so... Uh, I've been in the HR industry for um, I don't know, quite some time. I eventually got to a stage where I stopped counting. Um, and my background had predominantly been in software and helping high growth businesses scale their HR practices. Um, and so kind of got that high growth bug, you know, over a decade ago where I really enjoyed the amount of impact that you can make into an organization and the people that work there um, and how quickly you could kind of realize that impact. Um, And so I've been doing that for quite some time and helping growing and scaling and, um, you know, helping the employees that work at these organizations really um, grow themselves alongside of a business. Um, And then, yeah, and then I moved out of software specifically into direct-to-consumer in Missouri now. Uh, and I've been with them for over a year and a half. Same thing, right? Same mantra of growing and building the HR infrastructure, but realistically now it's with a variety of different employees. It's It's been great that you've been at Madre for some time now, and you mentioned you've been working with so many different uh, types of employees. So how many employees does Madre currently have and, and what type of growth have you seen uh, since you started? So we're about 300 employees now across Canada, the U.S. and parts of Argentina. Uh, we've got some employees in the U.K. And so we are a mix of uh, retail staff employees, corporate employees, and we have employees in our warehouse as well. And so globally dispersed across multiple time zones. Um, but I would say 80, 75, 80% of them are within North America um, and kind of working within the Canada or the U.S. area. Wow, that's amazing. You have employees yeah. uh, scattered everywhere. So with yeah. that, how how do you maintain such a strong company culture with the employees that when you hear Majuri's name in North America, everyone kind of understands what that culture is and who the people are. And it's such a great yeah. company. How, how do you maintain that uh, throughout um, all the global people that you have? Certainly. And um, number one focus obviously with the growth of the businesses having. I would say that in some ways as an HR leader, often this 
type of like, how do you grow and scale culture is like the question that comes to, you know, us as the individuals who are like solely responsible or accountable for these types of things. Um, I would say that I'm very fortunate in many ways to work for CEO and founding um, in, or founders who set the stage on that quite early in you know the formation of their business. Um, and it's something that they kept their arms around quite tightly as they continued to grow the organization prior to my arrival. Um, the business is six years, six and a half years old now. So I'm only one and a half years into their six and a half year journey. So um, they've really held the, the fort on that and they've done an excellent job. And what I would say is something that eventually just started to scale very organically. Um, they set values that are really you know, true and unique and connect very clearly to the brand that they are you know, emulating or, or living externally to their community base, right? So when we talk about launching products, you know, getting people excited about our vision as a business, our, the quality of our products, looking to consumers to purchase those things. We have to be able to translate, you know, who we are as a, as a company, why you would buy from us, why, you know, ours over any other jewelers for that matter. And what I think has been kind of uh, the secret sauce is the authenticity of who we are internally very much translates to who we are externally and then back again. And so we've really tried to stay aligned there. And I think that alignment has helped scale because not only do the employees feel connected to the vision of the organization and what they're trying to provide for the consumer, um, the consumers feel like they're getting a consistent experience with the brand that we're saying we are um, because the employees also feel that way and are living it, right? And so every interaction they're having at the store, at customer service, at um, as they interview as candidates, like this, it seems very connected. Wow, that's that's definitely amazing and something that is not easy to do, um, especially with with values and making sure you have it both internally and are emulating it externally as well. So yeah. I know you mentioned uh, that majority of the employees are in North America, mm-hmm. um, but is there a plan to, I guess, go bigger and get global talent and have more employees and maybe more front facing stores and things like that uh, globally? Yeah. Absolutely. And even just the scale overall, right? As we, I mean, predominantly we're in North America, our employees are here, our, you know, customers are here, our revenue is here. And so all that is fantastic and will continue to be a large, possibly majority aspect of our business. Um, but we have started to expand our marketing and efforts into other geographies and regions. Um, and trying to establish your brand to connect to consumers in those markets is obviously um, something that you need to really dig into, understand the market that you're looking to, you know, um, jump into, connect with the consumers there, what's their kind of buying patterns, you know, how do they connect with jewelry? um, How do they connect with the fashion industry? And it's caused us really to look at our employer brand and do the same questioning. Up until recently, we've had the exact same with our corporate brand or who we are as a company is our employer brand. It's just that's who candidates are resonating with. And we haven't really had any like issues. And when I say issues, I mean more so like we've got a steady influx of candidates across most of Canada and the US who are really excited to work for our brand and they connect with its mission. Um, so on the hiring side, we've been really fortunate that way. But 
as we continue to grow and expand into other areas, that may not necessarily be the case, be it new geographies or, you know, new, you know, skill sets we're looking to add to the organization. And we really would wanted to find a way to say, like, here we are as an employer, right? Connected to the brand, obviously, but these are, this is how we choose to employ you, grow you, like what you'll get to really um, have come to fruition with you, with yourself as a professional when you work here. And that's not something that we've really detailed out. And so it's been a huge focus for us over the past, I would say six months so far, is really trying to figure out who we are as an employer, who we want to be, a mix of like the aspirational and then the factual, right? Definitely. And then are there any specific uh, markets that Majuri plans to target globally? Oh, yeah, sure. That's a great question. Yeah, we're going to continue to expand in Europe. And so we launched into Australia and to the UK last year. Um, And essentially, we launch, we try, we see how it goes. And when I say launch, it's it's e-com based. And then um, if all goes well, then we look to see, you know, what the appetite would be to add retail locations. Um, and so we're kind of in the, that stage now of exploring those for those markets and then continuing to, to pick geographies across Europe that we can also launch into. Um, it's obviously a, a large task, as mentioned, because it involves really understanding the local market, local languages, mm-hmm. and making sure that we are um, complementary in there. Like we're not coming in and being different or here comes this big, U.S. company, we, we can also be providing something that's consistent to their experience as consumers locally. So, but yeah, so lots of, lots of expansion plans, um, but they're always big lifts. So uh, lots of expansion plans just even within the market in the U.S. and Canada, right? Like there are so many different geographies that we don't have stores in as an example, or um, areas that we're continuing to look to build out a consumer base. Um, and so, yeah, expansion overall, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's no easy feat for sure. Um, expanding into so many different markets and trying to test the waters to see what works there. But are there any specific partnerships that you'll have to to build or create in order to develop um, these relationships in order to to go into these markets to attract the top talent that's there um, as you potentially expand into having stores and, and your foot on the ground. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we have to, what I would say is some of the best things about Missouri and the re, one of the reasons why we've been quite successful is we own everything in-house, right? And so our model is not to outsource our distribution. We handle the shipping in full control to our customers. Um, it allows us to have a tight view of how that's going, um, customize as necessary to make sure it's really driving impact um, and, uh, and control if there's going to be any issues. We have our full creative team in house. And while we outsource pieces of work here and there, like the creative direction, the brand, um, is owned in house, not, you know, given to an agency. And so as we continue to expand, those teams need to continue to consult and partner with different, um, you know, local providers or individuals who may know the landscape a little bit better, um, for us to really, impact and and expand the way we would like to. Um, And in some cases for us, that's um, hiring talent. Some cases that's, you know, partnering with businesses. And so um, while we've got a really strong kind of brand message of who we are, again, that that employer brand piece is really important so that we can connect with people who may be great subject matter experts on the ground who we'd want to bring on an employee on a contractual basis, on a full-time basis, et cetera. And, and so, yeah, with lots of different partnerships to kind of, to continue to keep us informed, right? 
Yeah. And how do you keep track of all of this? I can imagine it's it's not an easy, <laughs> there's just probably so much going on at once. Yeah. Um, organization it's, is um, key. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that the, we've always, <laughs> we, we pride ourselves at least at the executive level um, and certainly across the business in trying to keep a really tight tabs and really setting lofty goals and objectives. Um what I what continues to surprise me about this organization is that we we set these lofty targets and then we blow the lofty ones out of the water. And there's just there's such a wonderful sense of camaraderie and consistency and um and planning and really making sure that we know like what are we trying to shoot for. Um and there's an underlying again organic approach to work that the employees are just passionate about where they work, who they work with. Um, we see that in our engagement surveys, we see that in, um, you know, our performance reviews, we see that across the board and just that camaraderie of like, we're all in it to like really dominate as the, um, you know, as this fashion brand that can really feel connected to the mission that it's on, but it is busy. <laughs> there's a, there's like never, you're like, Oh, like I'm feeling a little bored this week said no one at Missouri ever like ever. It's just, there's constantly things that we're working on trying to improve, go back and change. And so keeping track of it all, I would say, you know, you need to have a pretty solid project plan for everything that you're working on. We've all had to become, you know, little mini PMPs overnight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's all the fun stuff. So at least you're excited about most of the work that you're working on. That's amazing. Um, Any specific learnings that have come out of this challenges that you might've faced? Yeah, scale, right? Like like when you talk about scaling and you're like, okay, what's the next step? There's so many intricate pieces from like planning your org properly, right? Making sure that you've got the right functions, not just adding people in, you know, because teams are busy. How do we go back and say, okay, you're really busy. That's great, but busy isn't a, a business plan. Busy mm-hmm. is you know, busy. And so are you busy because we don't have the right system in place or we haven't optimized on a process or in actual fact, we've had optimized on a process, but we've actually outgrown it with our new approach. And so we're trying to help leaders figure out how they can um, go back into their businesses and plan, capacity plan, know when they need people. Um, It's hard. I find it hard, even for my own team right? To make sure that we've got the right amount of people in and that everyone feels supported. Um, and so I would say that like, not even necessarily a lesson, but more of, cause we're not, we don't have it right. Right. <laughs> like, it's not like it's a perfect secret sauce at this stage. It's just something that we're recognizing as we continue to scale it the way we're going, that this is really integral. We don't want to burn team members out. We want to keep them engaged and happy and feeling like they're growing their careers. Um, but it, when you grow at the rate that you're growing, it requires constant assessment. It's not something we can say, okay, once a year, we're going to check and see where our org is mm-hmm. and we're going to check and see, you know, do we have the right capacity? Like we're looking at it quarterly almost because we have to. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I honestly think that you could probably write a playbook at this point with all the experience that you've had, just thinking about <laughs> scale and and recruiting talent globally and expanding the the employer brand, because it's it's definitely that uh, something that a lot of companies are working towards to towards as well, because in this type of climate where um, COVID has happened and we're all working from home, we, I think we've all kind of realized that our businesses can be global. It doesn't need to be limited. Yeah. Our employees don't need to be limited to a specific space or 
or any of that. So yeah, just for the future, Kate, if you ever wanted to write a playbook on this, I will read it. (laughs) Oh, it's fair. You know, it's so funny because I, you don't, you're just in it every day, right? And, And solving. And I think some of the coolest pieces about being part of a high growth business is that you're just kind of constantly solving right? How you approach problems is realistically how you work with your teammates. And, um, and you're not always going to get those right. For sure. Goodness, we all know that we've tried to do something that didn't quite work out, but, mm-hmm. um, but that's cool. And we're now going to try it a different way. And so I think that that's very, uh, if I could give advice to other businesses that are doing the same thing, focus on scale, focus on who and um, who you need to round out your teams right? Like what's that skill set that's really going to add a tremendous value and try not to hire for today, uh, right? Because you're, you've already surpassed the problems of today when you're at a growing business. Like you need to kind of hire for, you know, what we would assume to be next year, because then you can really build out that team, really ensure that you've got the individuals that can, that can run with you through the marathon versus the sprint. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's it's hard to realize that in the moment, right? Because in the moment, you're just thinking about what do I need at this time and how can I right. push my business forward at this time? So I think it's it's great to take that step back and and realize what you'll need in the future as well. So um, a lot of um, on that topic, a lot of businesses I find and I'm, I'm 100% guilty of doing the exact same thing. And I don't necessarily know this is a solution. So I'm going to bring up something and then it's not necessarily going to be helpful for anybody. But the when you're in a high growth business, you're in this really, especially if you're like venture backed, you're really trying to be mindful of bringing in the right people, right? Staffing appropriately, but planning on like, hey, okay, we want to hit these objectives. These are the people we're going to need. Do we really need them? Like, let's be really certain because you're not going to want to bring in more people than you need and then miss objectives or vice versa, right? Like there's, there's a lot of kind of like you're hedging a little bit to see where this is going to net out for you. And so that balance is really hard because you set these lofty goals, but like if you've hit them or exceeded them, but you've staffed to not hit them, then you've actually got this wide gap of of the amount of work that your team is now doing, who is essentially staffed for you to just like slightly miss the objective, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. because you're unsure of how the market's going to respond to your sales approach or what have you. And so it's trying to figure out how to solve for that. Give your team members elasticity is a really interesting because it's not, you have to know that you've got the financial acumen to do that. You have to have the team acumen to do it. You have to have some team structures to do that. But that's a lot of the things that we're learning now too, is just how, how do we set our goals, you know, set the team to be able to hit the goals while keeping them healthy, happy, engaged, but also know that if we blow the target out of the water and we continuously do that, like then we need to also have some elasticity to know that the team can feel comfortable and again, healthy and happy and engaged and taken care of. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And, and throughout all this and having the team be so busy throughout this time, in your opinion, what are some best ways that you can do to continue to maintain a great company culture when everyone is just working so hard towards a common goal or working on different things at the same time, yet coming together to work on on something like this, like a project of expansion together. You know, I'm to me the only thing that I I think anybody could rest on. You have to be listening. You have to have a culture of listening. You have to be able to 
hear and be on the ground with your teams and you have to have their feedback as valuable because the business is growing, the business is changing, it's going to evolve, the culture is going to evolve and that's okay. It's, it's got, it has to do that. There'll be foundational pillars, but like, it's still going to grow. And so for me, the part that matters the most is being able to listen. And there's multiple ways of listening. You know, I say HR pros love a good survey, but like that's, that's, where a lot of the money is. And so, you know, at Missouri, we survey quarterly. We really do look at making sure that we've got trending questions that go out every quarter. And then we've got kind of more, you know, in the moment questions like, hey, I'm, we're just opening up back to office. How do you feel about that? Right. And so like, those are more of like timely questions that are happening at that moment versus the consistent questions that we ask for, for data that we can look at consistently and make sure that are there, you know, things that are going up, things that are going down, like how can we support teams um, and having a really solid process of sharing that back into the business um, so that the employees know, hey, listen, you asked, you listened, you did the following, right? And if that is a reoccurring loop, then you, you're you proving to them that you're willing to take feedback. And I find what ends up happening there is there was then an opening that employees are happy to then almost share it verbally to you face-to-face, right? They'll share things with their leader directly. They'll share things with your HRBPs. And so for me, the maintaining of the culture piece is making sure there's those outlets. The ask me anything questions at town halls, the engagement surveys, um, you know, making sure that you really are collecting that data and you're watching it and you're doing something with it. Um, That to me scales it not necessarily scale it the best. There's lots of other tools and tricks for scaling um, around consistent communication and building, you know, company philosophies and really that sense of purpose and organizational level. But when it comes down to like, how well is it scaling? Like, has it reached all, right? Is is when you get a chance to get the that those surveys, the employee feedback directly um, from everyone. And so we survey across corporate, warehouse, retail, um, you could be a part-time staff member or a full-time employee. It doesn't matter. Your feedback is taken as seriously. That's that's great to know um, and super important because uh, in this day and age, every employee wants to be heard and should be heard with just, again, the, the climate that we're in and making sure that everyone feels connected, especially this the Zoom life that, we're, that we've been living for the past 18 months. Sometimes it's hard. Um, I know for employees to feel like they're engaged and being heard, but uh, everything yeah. that Majuri is doing sounds sounds great to keep everyone connected and, and together and, and definitely something that I myself, who's not an HR professional, but learning from individuals <laughs> like you can, can yeah. take in and implement uh, at our company. So any other advice that you have before we uh, wrap up? I think that like the... I mean, if it has to do with communications and connecting with your brand and being able to, you know, portray who you are as an organization on that topic and what we kind of set out originally to discuss, authenticity is key, right? It's it's what matters. It's why the glass doors of the world are as successful as they are. Employees want to understand, like they want to be able to take a little like knife cut into a wall and watch you operate as an employer and learn about that. And so making sure that people understand the the good, the bad, the ugly, so that they can make a decision, right? Like, you know, we've joked for years, but this where you spend more time with us than you do at your home sometimes. And so <laughs> how do you ensure that it's it's the right place for you? And and rightfully so, there are some businesses that aren't for people and that's okay. And I think that when we get comfortable with that, 
then we really do set ourselves up to find the right talent that's going to complement and, and grow, um, you know, and have the passion that you need for the business and, and that they want for themselves. So I think that that's the authenticity piece is really important. I also think just in general that like, there's constantly, um, you know, ebbs, flows, changes in small businesses that are growing and have, you know, lofty goals and, you know, really exciting visions and missions. And so being a part of those is so fantastic. And it, it really does catapult your career in some ways, if you're like ready to take in all the learnings that it has for you. But I would say that as an employer, like you... Uh, you really do have an opportunity to kind of like carve out what that means and how you want to support employees on your journey with you. And no matter how small you are, starting on what that is and setting the intention for who you want to be as an employer, it's not just your product, right? It's not just what you're selling. It's not just what you're building. It's not just how much it costs. You have to be able to say, we don't need HR quite yet, but we want to be these people. Here are our values. Here's how we work together. Here's how we teach these people this. And here's here's our commitment to them, how we'll grow them. Even if it's, we're not sure, but like, this is who we want to be. It allows people to understand that like, this is what it's going to feel like to work here. And that's great. And give people the certain amount of autonomy and accountability they have in their own career. So they have clear guidelines or goalposts to walk within and or run within for that matter. And so I think, the companies I always, you know, I hear from companies being like, hey, would love help in figuring out how to do these things were 150 people. I'm like, gosh, that was the work you should have done when you were three people, you know, and it's it's not complicated. And there's some brilliant businesses that have started out there that got it right, you know, off the bat and others that are working their way backwards. And there's never the wrong time to do it. But it's certainly like if you're just getting started, that's such a great place to start. It's just defining who you want to be as an employer and recognizing that it's going to grow and your business grows. So you need to maybe revisit it every once in a while. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are kind of some key areas that I think really do connect to marketing of your business, hiring of your talent, but also like setting the foundations for what the programs are and how you want to support employees internally once they join your business. That is absolutely amazing advice. I, I totally resonate with that. And I'm sure whoever is listening to this will will also resonate with everything that you just said, because it is extremely important for all of us to be taking these things into consideration. So Kate, honestly, it feels like you were meant, like you were born to do this. So I have one final question for you. Okay. <laughs> Did you always see yourself going into this profession as a child or... If not, can you find a connection between your childhood aspirations and, and what you're doing now? That's a great question. No, <laughs> no, I did not want to be in HR because I didn't know it was a profession, to be clear. Not, you know, when you're like a little kid and your parents are talking to you about what you want to be, it's like visible things that you see out and about, right? Like that's how I even think about it with my own kids. It's like when kids really into like, you know, the garbage truck, I'm like, you could be, you know, a garbage professional driving <laughs> yeah. truck. You could do that anytime you want, but, you know, really exciting opportunity. You go to the doctor's office, you could be a nurse practitioner, you could be a doctor. Like you, you parents talk about those things with you because they're visual in front of you and try to help you connect with those, those things in life. So you can start to visualize yourself there. Um, and so Nobody, I didn't like walk past an HR professional at some point and be like, you could, you know, be an HR professional. Um, I, I, I would say when I was like really little, I wanted to be a teacher. 
And so I kind of like went on the teacher route up through high school and then started my degree. I did a double degree at Laurier in psychology and sociology. And I still wanted to do the teacher thing. And then I did a uh, practicum course uh, or like a helpful, you know, come in as a teacher's assistant for a few um, months uh, in first year, I guess it was, and realized that like I could, I couldn't be a teacher if I wanted to be. Um, I just genuinely didn't have the patience or like the brain to work that way. They are such talented individuals and I was not wired that way. And then I graduated university and thought I was going to go into social work. Um, so I applied for my master's in social work and then had this hunch that I should just like wait and not go through with it and look for a job and said first. And so I was at a job fair and met up with a bunch of recruiters there and was trying to figure out what job I wanted to do and came home and told a family friend that like, wouldn't it be cool to be the person on the other side of the desk offering jobs to people? Like that just sounds like a cool thing. And she owned a staffing <laughs> agency at the time and she's like, you can recruit for me anytime. And that was where the story started. And I a mix between my, you know, adoration for people and wanting to help them and wanting to like from being, you know, kids helping them get organized and learn all the things they need to learn in life. Same with social work to now being, you know, going up through recruitment and into, you know, general HR. It's still all the same things, I would say. So there is a connecting piece to your question. But yeah, not something that people talk about regularly. I think we need to, as HR professionals, get a bit of a coalition together and start to go into like talk to schools, like the way the technology companies go in and talk to you about becoming an engineer. Us HR pros need to get in there and say, hold on, there's a really cool profession that's called human resources. Because I don't feel like enough people know about it early on in life. And they always tell you they fell into it somehow. (laughs) So, So yeah. That's yeah, I totally agree with that. It's just people don't necessarily know what jobs are when they're applying to certain things in school. Like I, I remember growing up and it was like doctor, engineer, teacher, account, totally. like pick one, right? So it's yeah. it's a lot, it's more tangible. Sports player. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. you just don't and then and then the parents that you may have had who were in business, you just knew that they went and worked in this big tall tower somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that's all I knew. So it's really interesting now looking back on it because I think there's there's lots of connections, but not necessarily ones that I knew about as a kid. Yeah, definitely. And I think what intrigues me most is now what we're seeing a lot of, there's actually someone dedicated in companies that is specifically working on culture, which I think is so great to see everywhere because everything that you've said today just echoes the need to to have someone like that just helping the business yeah. and, and keeping that uh, pride alive. Totally. Yeah. It's, um, and I think like culture for me is an interesting one because it's, it grows, evolves. It's, it's, it's how it's not, we all know this now, it's not your office, right? Which is great mm-hmm. because I think that was kind of the push we, in some ways the pandemic gave us the push that we needed, but it's 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 uh, how you work together. It's how you have meetings. It's how you share information. Like that's the culture. How, what can the employees can expect from the behavior in your organization is the culture. And yeah. that culture either aligns with how they want to work or it doesn't. And so hopefully you can set the expectations in your interview process, even in your marketing to hiring new candidates, but then all those things actually translate to what they experience when they join. Um, and that as you grow, that culture of how you do all those things together grows because the expectations of the business are changing and people come along for that ride because you've again followed your cultural approach to, to showing them, being transparent, kind of keeping those things flowing. So 
Um, yeah, it's a really interesting, it's people who own that job. There's, it's a big lift, but there's like, everybody owns it, right? Like it's one person maybe helping orchestrate, but like yeah. everybody owns it. Every leader, every employee to be connected to it, to know when they're not connected to it anymore. You know, like it's, it's all part of the, the ecosystem of how you grow a business and, or just exist within a business. 100%. And Kate, I want to thank you so, so much for being with us today and giving us all this wonderful experience, advice, everything that you've learned from. And unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today. But before we we end off, I wanted to ask that if people want to follow you or reach you, where can they do so? Ah, fantastic. LinkedIn's a great one. So Kate Railton, I'm at Missouri. Uh, you can reach me directly just by requesting to connect. Uh, send me a little note. If, you know, it's usually easier for me than the blind connections, um, where I'm not sure I might have met you before or not. Uh, what's another? That's my biggest one for sure. I would say that's the best place to spend time and to connect because I'm I'm pretty avid on LinkedIn and I'm not as active on Twitter and all those other things. I'm <laughs> maybe need to do some work there with our brand team. Okay. Awesome. So again, I want to thank you for for spending the time with us today. And I also want to thank everyone who is listening. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful discussion. We're definitely looking forward to more Thriver episodes coming soon. So stay tuned and we'll see you all soon. You've been listening to Thriver Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Share your thoughts on this episode by tweeting us at Thriver Company or get to know more about us by visiting Thriver.com. Additionally, you can follow us at Thriver Company on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. The choice is yours. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.